You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. I will not finish this sermon this morning. I don't really want to. I want to just get started. Because what I'd like to do is introduce the sermon with a little narrative. And then I'm going to walk. I'll just stop when God tells me to stop. I've got a good eye on the watch there. I don't... I, I don't know how long, how, how much I'll get through it, and I'll have to race through it to get it finished, but I don't want to do that either. So I want to begin with just some conversation. And I want to begin with this conversation that, <clears throat> you know, every time Teen Rev happens, we know one thing. It's kind of a back-to-school revival, right? It's at the end of July. So what happens in my mindset is when Teen Revolution begins and ends, I know when I get back, school's about to start. And so there's a great emphasis on youth and students. We've got, you know, kids in our church that attend Christian schools. So in services next week with our teachers, we've got the largest number of students coming, I believe, possibly in the history of our school. But definitely as far back as I can remember, we've never had the number of students coming this year, which means we've got a larger staff. We've got more to do, more to fix, more to prepare for. And then our college starts a week after that. And so there's in-service for the college. There's staff in-service this week. Uh, There's a lot going on as we prepare for what we're emphasizing in the month of August as we pray for our students. But as we conclude the month of July, and as we look at the last day in the month of July, the last Sunday in the month of July, it is on my heart, heavy on my heart, that God is working in the midst of our church, especially, obviously, after this week, our students. One of the things I, I learned this week is as I talked to students throughout the week, and I did, I, I took a lot of time. I, I'd get to the service as early as I could. I'd stay as late as I could. And then I drove the bus quite a bit this week and all the way home, six and a half hour drive, had a lot of conversations, stopped at Taco Bell. That's the first time I've eaten at Taco Bell in a long time. That is definitely a youth spot. That is not a 57-year-old spot. That was nasty. Anyway, whew. I felt it like I'm still feeling Taco Bell. It's ridiculous. I don't know what that sauce has in it, but it's, oh, anyway. But I got to talk to, to, to a lot of students. And you know what I learned? And I went to the altar a lot. And I would just pray with our students. And then after they would say, have you got a minute? Have you got a minute? Man, there's a lot these kids are going through. I couldn't believe it. I mean, even just all of them. Not just like, oh, you're talking about, you know. The foster families, right? You're talking about the kids that have, you know, fatherless homes. Well, yeah, I am, but I'm also talking about our kids, your kids. I mean, there's just a lot going on. Some of them are convicted about things in their life that have been brought on by sin, and and that sin's being exposed. And they're understanding that, man, I am having a hard time. I'm going through some difficult times in my life because of some chains that need to break in my life. And those chains began to break this week. In fact, the last sermon, the speaker actually had chains, pretty much the whole sermon around his neck, and he kept dropping them on the ground. And every time he dropped, he would say, can you hear the chains breaking? You know, it was powerful. And I believe a lot of teenagers came forward. A lot of our own kids came forward and made decisions about those sins in their lives. It's going to take time, and there's going to be a lot to work on. And everything wasn't solved that night, trust me. There's, there's, there's a battle that is... Is ensuing. It's begun, and it, it's the devil is a roaring lion. He's not gonna, he's not gonna stop uh, just because Team Revolution had a good ending, right? But some of their some of their trials are not brought on by themselves, but some of the circumstances they're in, some of the difficulties maybe that you're going through that are affecting your children. 
And it's not that they brought it on, but it's that they're dealing with some of the repercussions that happen because life happens to us too, right? We go through stuff. And so what the Lord has really led on my heart to do, and I don't know how long I'll do it. It'll it may be a week, maybe two weeks. I'm sure it'll be two weeks at least because I don't know that I'll finish this message. Maybe two or three weeks. But I want to talk to our church family about trials because I really believe this is something that's going to touch every single one of us in this room. All of us are going through stuff. We're all going through difficult t- things. I mean, there's no one in this room that is, that, that, that is free from difficulty, free from tri- Every kid in this room, in my opinion, that I, especially those that I talked to this week, there were some heavy things they're, they're going through. And I can only imagine it gets even more difficult as, as we age and grow and go through life. And why do we have trials? So I want, to, I want to start with a verse. Are you ready for this? Now, if you can't see it on the screen, that's okay. It's in your worship guide. So if you can't see the screen, look at your worship guide. It should be at the top of the page. But I want us to say this together. Can we do that? Is that okay? Talk out loud in church just for a minute, all right? So I want us to say this together. This verse will be somewhat of a theme verse throughout the, 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 the next couple of three weeks. Let's read it together, shall we? Here we go. Job 23.10, say it. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Let's say it again, shall we? And this time I want you to really think about it. I know we're repeating it. I know this is, you feel like you're in school for just a moment. But would you, just humor me, students, would you please repeat after me this verse. But this time, I want you to think about it. I want you to say it a little bit louder. I want you to really meditate for a moment as you speak these words. Listen to yourself say these words. Are you ready? Here we go. Job 23, 10 together. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. This is what God said to Job. This verse was Job's assurance. And we all know about Job, right? We all know the trials that Job went through. But here is God Almighty saying to Job, giving him this assurance that I know the way that you take. And when I have tried you, you will come forth as gold. This was the rock that Job was standing on. No matter what I'm going through, Job knew. No matter what happens to me. And he lost all ten of his children in one full sweep. All ten. Attended a funeral with ten caskets in front of him, all of his kids. Job lost his health. Job lost his wife. Job knew no matter what happens, I have this assurance that God knows. God knows. And when he tries me, when he's finished with this trial... I'm going to come forth as gold. Think about that. God knows. He knows. Is that great news or what? Isn't it great to know that God knows? I mean, you know, that's something you want to let somebody know. God knows. God knows what I'm going through. In fact, this is one of the assurances that I gave many of our young people this week as they poured their hearts out to me about stuff they're going through. In fact, I won't say names, and this person is in the room and know, would know, and I want this person to know how much I love them. But as we talked, I, 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 was, I let the kids off the bus to go get snacks, and I was gassing it up because it's a diesel bus, so you have to go behind Lowe's, and, you know, it's crazy. I'm learning how to be a diesel driver, you know, a big truck driver. So you gas these buses up on both sides. So I'm going to clean the bus out. I'm a clean freak, so I'm picking up trash, you know. And I get to the back, and there was a girl that hadn't left the bus. And she was just crying in the back of the bus. And I stopped, and I said, are you, you know, let's talk. And so we had about a 10-minute conversation. 
And you know that what I told her is just that God knows. God knows you're sitting in this bus right now. God knows you're alone. God knows you're, you're crying. And God is here with you. And he's going to help you through this. And so am I. God knows. That's great news. God knows everything about you. God knows when you're crying. In fact, the psalmist says that he, he takes every one of your tears and puts them in a bottle. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. And for some of us, that's not hard to count. Right? God knows. He knows intimately what you're going through. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this. But he, uh, for I know the plans I have for you. Listen to this. Declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. A lot of folks really like that verse. In fact, Tiff, isn't that like one of your favorite verses? It is, isn't it? I remember you telling me that. And you've been through a lot. And so God has plans of welfare. And he has a future for you. And he has a hope for you. I want to get to that right now. I'm ready for that, don't you? I'm like, I read that verse and think, let's go, man. I like the welfare part. I, I like the future and the hope part. But the truth of the matter is, to get there, God, that's God's plan. But don't miss this. God has some plans to get to the plan. And sometimes the plans to get to the plan are not always easy. They're not always smooth. God has some plans to get you ready for the plan that he has for your life. And what this message is about this morning is to take the difficult things that God allows in your life and and getting to the place where the blessing can be received. Because God wants to bless us. God has plans for us. God has a future for us. God has a hope for us. But sometimes there's going to be some things that happen along the way. And when he has tried us, we're going to come forth as gold. There's so much about trials in the New Testament. In fact, much of the New Testament is about trials. Oftentimes what we hear read on a Sunday morning on a scripture verse about the character of God has to do with Things that we go through and remembering that God knows and God's in control and God is sovereign and and God loves us. And we see these things and we understand these things. But I want to start Hebrews chapter 12. We'll go as far as we can go and then we'll stop at an appropriate time and and, and maybe just take a time out and continue next week. Does that, can I get an amen? amen? All right. So Hebrews chapter 12, let's start there. Our spiritual food for today will be verse 5 through verse 11. The verses will be on the screen, but I'll read them out loud. Have you not forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline That you have to endure. God is treating you as a son. For for what son is there? Who the father does not discipline. If you're left without discipline. In which all have participated. Then you are illegitimate children. And not sons. Besides this. We've had earthly fathers who disciplined us. and, And we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us. Parents, you a parent here this morning? I am. Hey, life is passing by quickly. 
Jeff Manthe and Courtney Manthe, congratulations on your baby dedication. Three boys adopted, three Manthe boys in that home, and it's going to go like that. Man, listen, you wake up one day, your kid's 31, and he's the youth pastor, and he's talking about kids on the youth group that he used to, you know, his parents, and then you're thinking, dude, I'm really old. (laughs) The one you're talking about, I was her youth pastor, you know. It's just a short time. For they disciplined us for a short time. And, and they're not perfect, so they just did the best they could. Do you see it there? They just did, we just did the best we can. We missed the mark, though. But look at this. But God, he disciplines us for our good. Why? That we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Can I get an amen? Especially teens, right? But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, ultimately, in this message, what I want to do is answer five questions about trials. But before that, let me give you just quickly five truths about trials. And this will be kind of a foundational to what I want to talk to you about today. Number one, and this is simple, very simple, but I'm somewhat of a simple preacher. I feel like that's, I just want to make sure that if you're five years old, you get what I have to say. And if you're 85, you get what I have to say. So, Hopefully, it's going to be for everybody. Number one, trials are extremely common. They're just common. In the New Testament, the Greek word means to prove by trials. Trials, a good definition. I've got several for you throughout the, 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 the sermon. An event that demonstrates, get this, the genuineness of your faith in Christ and refines the quality of your spiritual life. That's just one way to define a trial is it is something, uh, it's an event in your life that demonstrates the genuine, it proves the genuineness of your faith in Christ and ultimately, if you come forth as gold, right, it refines the quality of your spiritual life. This is a trial. They're extremely common. Number two, there are many kinds of trials, many kinds. There's big trials, life-altering trials, massive trials, but there's also very, very small trials. There's small trials. There are brief trials. There are enduring trials that go on for weeks and months and years, sometimes decades. There are trials that irritate us, right? I mean, I've got some trials that just get on my nerves, (laughs) There are trials that devastate us. I mean, just, man, it's just hard to get over it, hard to deal with it, hard to process it. There are trials that stretch us, and that's good. We need trials that stretch us. There are trials that shatter us. I mean, there's many different kinds of trials. Number three, everyone encounters them. And there's not one person in this room that is not subject to go through trials. Another definition of trial would be a painful circumstance allowed by God to change our conduct and our character, to change who we are and to change what we do. Everyone encounters trials. Number four, you're going through a trial right now. I mean, there are different kinds of trials, right? Small, big, different different shapes and sizes and forms, everybody in this room can identify with some kind of trial. In fact, after pastoring a church for 30 years, and, and, and I'm, a very, I'm a much, a, a very much a people person, so I'm talking to people all the time. 
I mean, in a room this size, I've probably talked to half of the crowd this week for five minutes. I mean, I talk to so many. I love talking to people. And oftentimes, hey, how are you doing? What you going through? And I'm telling you, sometimes I, the feedback I get is it's heavy. I mean, as a pastor, I understand that everyone is going through some size, some shape of a trial. If you are God's children, you're going through trials. Maybe physical. Maybe relational. It may be economic. It may be an emotional trial. It may be a circumstantial trial. In fact, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I'm sure of this. Whatever trial you're going through, he who began a good work in you, he'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Can I just say it like this? God is working on us. God's working on us. God's working on me. I'm a work in progress. I got saved September the 1st, 1978. And God continues to work on me. He is trying me. And sometimes it's frustrating. And sometimes I'm like, God, that's enough. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And God says, that's exactly where I want you. Where you don't get it and you don't understand it. And you don't think you can go another step. That's part of the reason why you're going through this trial. Is so you'll realize how much you need me. And so trials... Now, Hebrews chapter 12 is an interesting chapter because there's many ways that you can, there's many words in Scripture for trials. For instance, if I were to open up the audience, I, you know how we played, what's that, what's that game uh, we played this week where you, you, you have to say words and then, the, is that fam, what's, family feud, is that it? Okay, and you, you ask a question. So if I were to ask the question, what's another word for trial, you know? Well, some of you might say <clears throat> a difficult season. A difficulty. Some might say uh, the word suffering or the word hardship or the word chastening. But what about the word discipline? If you go back to the text a moment ago and you read the text with me, and I've got these on the screen, and Jerry, they go pretty quick. And thank you, Jerry, by the way, for filling in this morning. You're a blessing. But notice the text, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. For what son is there to whom the Lord does not discipline? Verse 8, if you're left without discipline. Verse 9, besides this, we have heard earthly fathers who disciplined us. Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time, but he disciplines us for our good. For the, verse 11, for the moment all discipline seems painful. I'm not really sure what these verses are talking about. <laughs> Anybody want to tell me? Discipline. You know, sometimes when you study a text, you you have to look, okay, what's the theme here? What's Scripture trying to teach me? You don't have to do that with this particular text. It's in every single verse, and sometimes it's two times in the verse. It's very clear that what Scripture is talking about here is discipline. And the word discipline here is the exact same word from Titus chapter 2, verse 11. This is interesting. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Get this, the same word for discipline right here in verse 12, training us. Training us. Same word as discipline. You know, I talked about September the 1st, 1978, right? That was the day that God's grace came into my life. That was the day that God opened my eyes to salvation. I experienced his grace. I trusted him as my savior. I became a child of God and the gospel became real in my life. Since that moment, God has been teaching me stuff. He's been training me. He's been disciplining me. I mean, from that day until now, 40 plus years of training, 
40 plus years of teaching, 40 plus years of enduring these things so that I can come forth as gold. It's what parents do to children. It's what parents that love their kids do to their children. Discipline. In fact, in, in, in verse 5, in just a moment, we'll get to it. But my son, do not regard lightly the discipline, the chastisement of the Lord. Don't regard it lightly. It's pretty serious. This is important. It's interesting what psychologists say about discipline. Recently, uh, I, I read of a, a child psychologist that said, there is nothing good that can come from disciplining or, or causing a child pain. Nothing good can come from causing a child pain. Well, by the way, let me, let me say this. I am not at all saying and, and making light of abuse, evil abuse, excess abuse. That's wicked. That's sinful. But I'm going to tell you the statement to say that nothing ever good can come from pain is so anti-Bible, it's incredible. It's just anti-Scripture. That, that nothing good can come from pain. God's love is not a pampering love. God's love is a perfecting love. So you say, wait a minute, preacher. Are you saying that God spanks his children? Thank you. That was pretty much an amen. <laughs> yes, God spanks his children. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 in, the, in our ESV says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son. Yes. And the old King James says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough word. I mean, that's an intense word, isn't it? Just, just saying the word scourgeth. You know, it just goes, oh, that hurt. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God is serious about saving us, and God is just as serious about sanctifying us. Just as serious. We kind of talked about that last week because for whatever reason, you know, sometimes we bought into this Christianity that when we accept Christ, that's it. We're good. We're good. And I think that's kind of what Logan's, by the way, Logan, wow, man, I know you're going up there in the medical field, but you might want to consider like being, you know, an elder in a church or something. Man, that was good, wasn't it, Butch? Got a little Butch Fry in him. That's a good thing, by the way. But I think that's what Logan was saying is, you know, listen, to an extent, you know, there is this process that God is working on me. God is sanctifying me. And, and, and so, you know, I, I thought I was okay. I mean, I got it. I got, I've got this. This is all I need. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I'm good. No, you're not good. There's none good. And, and, and we've, God is only good. And what he's doing is he's perfecting us. He's preparing us so that one day we can be just like him. And this is a process of becoming like Christ. And the, the, the chief goal is, is to be like him. And we'll see that as we move through the message and it may be even next week. So in this text here, I want you to see verse 5 on the screen with me for just a moment. Notice these interesting words. Do you see it? And have you forgotten? That's an interesting statement there. In other words, the writer is saying, wait a minute, wake up, time out. Are you kidding me? Have you missed something? <clears throat> I mean, I just mentioned discipline like 12 times in the passage, you know. I feel this way sometimes. I was talking to some teenagers about this yesterday on the way home. And if you were in the conversation, kids, you'll remember this. I was saying, you know, isn't it amazing how sometimes we forget things so easily? Like, I've always thought that about the disciples. Like, I'm reading the Gospels, and I'm like, why were they so shocked when they crucified him? He told them. And he even said he's going to rise again. 
Why didn't they get it? And I think the writer here is kind of appealing to us the same way. Have you forgotten? In fact, what's interesting is, is that the exhortation that we, he, we, we he, have here in Hebrews chapter 12 is the same exact statement found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. In fact, this is the number one passage quoted from the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at it on the screen. You'll recognize it in Hebrews. We just read it. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. This is exactly Hebrews 12, 5. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Have you not forgotten? (laughs) I mean, you, you should know this. And then I want you to notice two phrases in Hebrews 12, 5, just for a moment. Notice the phrase, do not regard lightly. And notice the phrase, nor be weary. I want everyone here to join with me in in entering into somewhat of an intense moment. Because I think what he's saying is, don't regard lightly. I'm coming in hard. My son used to say, uh, oh, Josiah, we play basketball. He said, "I'm, I'm coming hard in the paint. I'm coming in hard. This is like a point guard. This is old LeBron James coming through. Get out of his way, right? I mean, he's going to run you over, you know. And God is saying, look, don't regard lightly. I'm coming in hard. This, I, I, I've got something I want to say. Don't take this lightly. Don't be weary when you are reproved. When God does this, don't take it lightly. Don't be casual. Don't be indifferent or weary about God working on your conduct and your character. Don't take that lightly. God's serious about that. God's serious about you Becoming more like him. God's serious about his holiness. He's serious about it. And we should be serious about it too. We talked about that last week with Joshua. If holiness is important to God, Joshua, uh, Josiah rather said, holiness will be important to me. Young people, let me say this right now. Quick time out. Post-teen revolution uh, challenge here. And that is this. Don't take lightly what you experienced this week. Don't take lightly the altar calls where you went to the altar, guys, and you got on your face and you wept tears of repentance. Don't take that lightly. Don't overlook that. Don't wake up in the morning and say, that was yesterday, but everything's different now. And that was then. That was the mountaintop. This is real life now. I'm going to get back to what I was doing. No, 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 no. God had a work he was doing. God had a work he was doing. Let's let that work be complete so that we can grow and go on to the next struggle because there'll be another one. Amen. Let's learn from what God gave us this week at Teen Revolution. God knows what he's doing. God knows. And that's where we started. God knows. Amen. And so now please understand that as a pastor that I know that there are many people sitting in this room and who have sat in our church and who are watching online right now that you have gone through some really tough things in your life. I mean, after being a pastor for this many years, if you came to the anniversary service and you saw the in memory of, I mean, there's a story behind every one of those people who died. I've stood at the head of a lot of caskets, at teenage teenage caskets. You know, remember one funeral we did early on in in the church and half of the lakeside band was in the church. Some of you remember that, that had been with me for a long time, the young man that died in the four wheeler accident. I've seen, I've stood at the head of a casket where children have died and where people have died suddenly, car accidents, cancer. But in all of it, God is working. And let me remind you, he knows. 
The goal of every trial we go through is to get us in agreement with God. He's taking me to a new level of dependence. And I'm going to come forth as gold. Man, this excites me. Because I know that if our young people can get a hold of this, if our married couples can get a hold of this, if, if all of us in this church who are, who are older and even senior saints can get a hold of this, we'll have a new appreciation for the tough times and for the trials and for the difficulties and the things that we go through. We'll almost find, and we'll talk about this in the next week or two, we'll almost find joy. Wow. Man, this is the greatest thing I've ever been through. And we'll talk about I don't mean as in it makes us happy because joy is supernatural, totally different. When I say joy, it's a totally different level of happiness, <laughs> okay? So that, number one, is, <clears throat> is, is the first point. What, are, what is the discipline of the Lord? Secondly, and I'll just get through this one and I'll close. Number two, what, why does the Lord discipline his children? This would be a great place to stop. So let me get through just a few more minutes, and then worship team, you can come. Jordan, I know you won't know when to come now because uh, normally you come at the end of the service, but we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll call you guys up in just a moment. And thank you for letting us be a little more casual this morning. Is that okay? Sometimes I think I work too hard at making Sunday morning about the schedule and about the time and about the notes, but it's really just about the family coming together, just spending time with one another loving one another. And you guys have listened so well today. And I think that's because we got to start with some teenagers. That, that'll wake you up, won't it? Why does the Lord discipline his children? Look with me at verse 6. <clears throat> I'll just get through point 2. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Why does the Lord discipline his children? Because he loves them. Isn't that cool? God loves me. I love, that's why I so much enjoy telling my kids how much I love them. And that's why I love to tell you that I love you. And I want those words to be words that we sincerely mean, but commonplace in the church. Because if there's any place that we ought to hear the words, I love you, it should be amongst the family of God. Because God is love. And God loves us. But yet sometimes I think when we go through a trial, it's, it's just the opposite. It's God, if you loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. And I hear people say that sometimes, and I get it. I, I, I remember my story about when my wife was sick and that midnight story, and she calls me from the hospital. This was back in year one of the church, so you got to go back 29 years. And I won't tell the whole story for sake of time, but ultimately, if you remember me telling that story, you remember me pulling on the side of the road, shaking my fist at God and saying, God, what are you doing? You don't love me. I'm starting a church. I'm doing the right thing. You called me to Hot Springs. I came all the way from California. We're living in a trailer. We've got nothing, God, and now this? So I get it. Sometimes that is our reaction to what God is bringing us through. But wait a minute. Far from abandoning me when I'm going through a trial, God is moving towards me. He's not abandoning me. He is, Psalm 46.1, a very present help in time of need. I love that verse. Because the fact of the matter is that some of you here today are present and others of you are very present. It's just the way it is in every audience, in every crowd. Those of you that are having a hard time staying awake, and I get it. Stayed up late last night, had to work the third shift, but you're faithful, you're in church. Man, that's a blessing. Thank you for being here, and it's okay that you're present. But there's others that are on the edge of their seat, filling in every note, listening, and you are very present. Can I tell you, that's God 24-7. That's God 24-7. 
He's never not available. He's never not very present. He's moving towards you. He isn't folding up his arms when you're going through a trial. He's rolling up his sleeves. He's getting ready to to work on you. My wife, you have told me this, honey. We've been married for 34 years. We've been pastoring together for 30 years. And so you've told me this. So we go through, we get to church. uh, You know, a year later, she almost dies. You know, and she goes through that 30 days in the hospital thing. And and, and then after that, God begins to... So, well, that was when we started the church, right? Right when we started the church. So we start the church. God works the miracle. We've got no money. He provides uh, th- that story that I tell. I don't know how many. I've got to tell all these stories. I don't, I, don't, I don't tell these stories anymore. But, yeah, the story about when we actually uh, went to the bank and, and they gave us the $65,000 or so that we needed to buy the first building. So it's a funny story. But how God provided miracle after miracle while Carol Ann's laying in a hospital bed you know, basically rotting away because of her disease, and yet God's doing a miracle. And so when she got out of the hospital, she said, man, it seems like God just had to put us through that so that he could do this. And then a few years later, <laughs> she gets sick again. And, 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 and that was when God was giving us Second Baptist. And we bought the Second Baptist facility in a season, in a very hard season for Caroline and I, like very hard. And then there was a third season. What was that one? Do you remember? When the college started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, man, I, I can't give any more of my body away. I, I, you know, they, they, they took so much from her. Thank, thanks for helping me this morning, honey. But, but I remember these things. Here's, here's my point in this illustration. It wasn't really planned, and that's why it's a little awkward. But the idea is that Caroline has told me over and over again in 30 years of pastoring that she says, I'm all, honey, if, if God needs to put us through something really, really difficult, in order for him to do something really, really great, then I'm willing. Whatever it is. And sometimes that's how God is working. The point of the text here is this. Trials are a proof of God's love. That's the point of the text. Trials are proof of love. God's motive is love. His attention is towards you. His eyes are upon you. His ears are open to you. His thoughts are about you. He loves you. And the goal of the the pain is restoration of a deeper sense of God's love. That's the goal of it all. It's a biblical love. It's patient, right? 1 Corinthians 13. It's kind. God's love is patient. It's kind. God's putting his needs, or rather our needs above his, his. I had good parents. I really did. My parents were divorced at a young age, but I was blessed even though we had to do the every other weekend thing, and it was difficult, and I, I could whine about things that didn't go right. But at the end of the day, I really was blessed. And I remember my dad. He was a disciplinarian. Dad just was like, I mean, we, we laughed about this. He's 81 years old now. He just left Hot Springs. He visited about three weeks ago. Some of you got to meet him, although he didn't get to come on a Sunday. You've met him before. Hard to miss dad. Bald-headed, wired for sound, just a really energetic guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really nothing like him. And uh, so, but dad's here. We're at the dinner table. Chloe, Mo, Joe, so you'll remember this. And we're telling stories. And dad says, tell the story about when you left your ankle weights at the park. Remember that? So he, I, I begged my dad for ankle weights. I begged him because I, I wanted to dunk it. Never did, by the way. <laughs> Talked about, yeah, nothing's impossible with God. That's impossible, I'm telling you. Anyway, 
So, I mean, it's not, but it was for me. But anyway, so I, I wanted 10-pound ankle weights. So dad goes to Walgreens. No, no, Woolworth, Woolworths. Woolworths. The weirdest name in the world. Anybody ever heard of Woolworth? Okay, yeah, they're out there. So dad goes and buys me 10-pound ankle weights at Woolworth. And the first day I say, Dad, I want to go, I want to go work out at the, at the park. So he brings me to the park, drops me off. I got my ankle weights. I'm so excited. And I'm playing with these ankle weights, you know, and I, I'm, I'm getting stronger. And then some guys want me to play pickleball. They're like, hey, you want to play some pickleball? I say, sure. So I took my ankle weights off, put them underneath the rim of the goal, and played pickleball. Well, Dad comes to pick me up when Dad said he would pick me up because Dad's never late, ever. I, I, I don't know that he's ever been late in his entire life. So he's on time. And so I, I see Dad. He doesn't like to wait. He's in a 1976 Ford LTD, brown LTD. I run to Dad's car. I jump in the passenger seat, driver's side, or, or a passenger seat uh, in the front seat, and Dad takes off. And about five minutes down the road, I realized I left my ankle weights. I mean, he just bought them today. I begged him for months. And Dad just spent like 20 bucks on these ankle weights, which 20 bucks back then was a ton of money. And so I'm like waiting. How do I tell him? So we stop at a gas station. It's been about 15 minutes now. He gets out and I say, Dad, hey, uh, uh, I was just going to tell you, it's not a big deal. But, I mean, I just thought I'd, I left my ankle weights at the... Oh, my. He lost it. Like, Dad like lost it. Like, he, as soon as I said it, his, his hand, not fist, but his hand, came across the car, grabbed me right here, pulled me up within one inch of his face, like, boom, boom. And just like, boy, you begged me for two months for those days. And I'm like, uh, you know, and you forget him the first day. This throws me back in the seat, gets out, puts the gas in the car, 1976 Ford LTD. We drive all the way back to the park. I get out. Praise God the ankle weights are there. It would, have, it would have gone from abuse to more abuse for sure. So we get back in the car and we get about halfway home. And dad says, son, uh, I probably overdid it just a little bit. I'm like, well, dad, not really. Well, sort of. But, you know, I mean, here's my point. God never does that. God never does that. God never blows a gasket. God, God never says, you know, I can't believe you did that, you idiot. No, God is patient. God is kind. Everything God does in our lives is with surgical precision. God loves us, and that's why God says in Hebrews 12, 6a, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves God loves us, and so everything he does is for our good and our benefit and his glory. Amen. And so this morning, I want to say one more thing, and then I'll close. The worship team can come forward. I'm almost done. In Hebrews 12, 7, let's just read that verse, and we'll close. It is for discipline that you have to endure. I want to just touch base on this for a moment. It's for discipline that you have to endure. In other words... <clears throat> endurance is a, a very important part, listen, of the Christian life. Teenagers, listen to me for just a moment. Moms and dads, help me with this when you talk to your teens about teen rev and their decisions. And by the way, parents, this applies to us as well. But how often do we not endure after we make a decision? We're convicted about our sin. We're disciplined. And then a week later, a few days later, a month later, we're right back to doing the things that we committed to Christ not to do and to get the victory over. 
It is for discipline that you have to endure. You know, sometimes I feel as if we, we want this life of ease. But that's not how God works. God, God's not interested in us having it easy. That's not his plan. Without discipline, it'd be very hard to endure because discipline is what makes endurance hard. And so we need discipline in order to endure. In fact, it goes on to say that because of the discipline, we can endure. And all God is doing is treating us as sons. If you are a son or a daughter of God, then then God is perfecting you. The reason for the discipline is because you're his child. In fact, John chapter 1 and verse 12 says that to all who have received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Discipline means God is treating you as his son. You say, well, you know what? I really know what you're talking about, preacher. I got it. Man, it's been like three years. Life's been great. No problems. I mean, like, hey, I'm sure this is for somebody else. Are you sure you're one of his kids? Are you sure? Because that doesn't sound like people that I know that know God in an intimate way. That there's no problems. Everything's great. This sermon's for somebody else. He's treating us as sons. And he goes on to say, if you're left, left without discipline, of which, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Have you ever thought this? I'll close with this. Have you ever thought this? Man, preacher, it just seems like, you know, my next door neighbor, you know, he don't even go to church. He's lost. He's just got it so good. Everything's so easy for him. And here I am over here, a Christian. I struggle every day. I get it. Yes, sometimes it does appear that way for about 15 minutes. Then they die and spend an eternity in hell. Amen. I hate that, but it's the truth. If they don't know the Lord, they may seem to have it better. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Those of us who endure, we have it tough maybe here. There may be some struggles here, but we've got heaven to gain. Amen. And so I'm sharing this with you to say, if you are a child of God, discipline is proof of sonship. It's proof of that. And part of getting into the family of God is this, that God is working on me. So guess what, church? I just kind of let the cat out of the bag. Your pastor has a long way to go. God's working on me. He's not done with me yet. I experienced his discipline, and this week there were things he convicted me of. Our teenagers, our young people, our kids, this week made great decisions, many of them as a result of the discipline of the Lord. They were convicted of their sin. And they went down the altar and, and confessed that sin. One, one preacher even kind of used a, a funny way of doing it. He talked about, he gave this illustration, and I'll say it quickly, not spend much time, not appropriate maybe on a Sunday morning, but he talked about vomit. He just said, he used it in an illustration of just saying that sometimes that's what we need to do, just get it out. Just get the puke out. Get the, get the junk out of our lives. Just tell somebody. Confess it to God and to somebody else. And so that was what was happening one particular night. His kids were just pouring out their sins on the altar and confessing that they can't do this without God's help. And other times it's just we're going through trials because God's allowed it to happen in our lives. It's nothing we did, but God's allowing it. But the purpose of it is he's working on us. And the purpose is that we become more like him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask that 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us go a few minutes over this morning and not even finish the message, but just it's been a great day. And I'm asking God now to just work in our hearts. I'm not sure exactly what it would be, but I do know this. I want to do this. Can I be a little intentional since we're in the cafeteria? We don't have carpet. We don't have, you know, the convenience of an altar, a church altar. If you were a young person and and you attended Teen Revolution and you're in the building this morning, if you were there, would you stand with me? Heads are about eyes are closed. But just if you were, if you're a teen, thank you guys. Just stand and stay standing. If you're a teen and you went and you're here this morning, I know we have some serving, but some are here. I want to do this. This would be really cool. I hope you guys will be okay with this, guys. Because I know we did this every night at Teen Rev. But your church family wasn't there. And they didn't get to pray with you and over you. But if, if, if you are sitting by a teenager or near one, whether your mom or dad or friend, or I want to just, when I pray, Jordan begins to lead us in worship. I want to encourage you, or however Jordan decides to do it. You can, you can decide how you want to handle that after this. But after I pray, I want to encourage you to come around those that are standing because I'm looking at them and focusing in every one of these kids made decisions this week so stand around and just pray over them father I thank you so much for what you're doing and what you've done this week and father sometimes just it's spontaneous when we're dealing with invitations it's just what what are you saying in the moment what what do we what do we do now and father I just feel like this would be a moment that would be special to those of us who've been praying all week long for these kids And God, as we pray for them, may we pray for ourselves. We've got so much that we need to do in order to to be more engaged in their lives, to be more available, including myself. So God, move and work in this moment as we pray, as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.